podcast. This is Kendall. I'm coming at you from San Diego, California. And the purpose of this podcast is to equip our all people's leaders and community worldwide. This week, we've got a great voice from one of our all people's churches. You're going to get to hear from Jonathan Lair in Chula Vista, California, pastors all people South Bay. He's got a great message called Favor Through Distress. You're going to get to hear how to persevere under trial and how God builds maturity and favor in you as you go through hard things. I think it's going to be relevant for a lot of us. Enjoy the message. Thanks for joining the All People's Equipping Podcast. How can you and I align our lives under God's leadership so that, because we know in the heart of God, as we look at the scripture, God wants to pour out his blessing. He wants to pour out his provision, his blessing, his, his uh, goodness on our lives. I uh, think of Kim, uh, Kim Ayan, and she's actually working with the kids, and she uh, came over to our house this past week, and she brought with her one of my favorite things, chocolate chip cookies. And um, so she offered me a cookie, and, I, and, I, and I, took, I took a cookie, and she said, hey, go ahead and take some more cookies because you're going to want one. And uh, I was like, uh, no, I'm a one-cookie guy. I'm disciplined, right? Any other disciplined people out there? No one. No. <laughs> You're like, nope. Uh, so, so anyway, I ate that, that cookie, and uh, sure enough, after a few minutes, I came back, and I grabbed a few more. And uh, we were like, Kim, these cookies are so good. And my wife's a great chocolate chip cookie baker. Like, I, I, I know a good chocolate chip cookie. Okay, if you ever want me to sample or try, if you want an opinion on how your chocolate chip cookie is, I can try it for you. I'm willing, okay? I'll make that sacrifice. I just need a dozen to try, okay? No, but, but we're like, Kim, these, these cookies are so good. And she said, hey, honestly, I can't take the credit. She said, it's just this one particular recipe from this cookbook. And, and Anna, my daughter, she loves to bake. We were talking about the cookies the next day. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Kim's going to give me the recipe. And, and, and we're just like, man, these cookies were so good. And, you know, I, I think that those chocolate chip cookies are, are a lot like how our lives are supposed to be. Where people look at you and they look at me and they say, wow, those people are so blessed and so generous and, and they have joy. Like, like their lives aren't perfect or their lives aren't easy, but, but there's something different about them. Like they're always blessing others or that they are always encouraging or they see the good in people. Like if we can really get this deep within us, if we can really learn to align our, our lives, if we're going to have people that's like, what's going on with you? Or like, like what are you on? Or like, what's up? Like, I, I, I remember when we moved to San Diego, I, uh, I would see our postal worker. And she would come by and she would deliver mail. And, and I was just kind to her. You know, like, does anybody know, like, being kind, being nice, like, it's not all that common, and, 
And I would ask her how she was doing, and eventually she would kind of open up her heart, and she, she started sharing with things with me that she had never shared with anyone, like our postal worker as she's delivering the mail. She starts having these deep conversations with me, and she's like, I don't know why I'm telling you this right now. I've never shared this with anyone. And eventually she comes to me, and she says, like, she says, I, I, what is different about you? Like, she literally said, what's different? And I was just like, it's just Jesus. Like, he's changed my life. And little did I know that this woman, her name's Lavetta. Lavetta ended up joining our church, our, our All Peoples in San Diego church. She, she ended up jumping into our life group. She actually ended up being one of the very first people that got baptized, which is what we're going to do tonight, got baptized in the history of our church in San Diego. And you see, just like Kim and her cookies and that cookbook, I couldn't take credit. I was like, it's just God. Like, it, that's why we want to pay attention to his word. That's why we want to give, give, give weight to, to what it says. And, and because in this book is the power to change lives. And I believe that as we align our lives under his leadership and, and according to his word, that it will unlock favor. Amen? You can say amen. Amen. Now, now let me warn you. Because you see the title, Favor Through Distress, right? So, like, Because it's really easy to think that if I have God's favor in my life, then it, everything is going to go a certain way, like... It's really easy to think that favor means that I'm going to get the job or I'm going to get the raise or my relationship is going to work out or everyone is going to be healthy or my team is going to win or I'm going to prosper. My business is going to grow. Like, basically, it's easy for us to think that God's favor and, and his, his blessing, if I have that, then it means a lot of good stuff is going to happen in my life. But, but let me tell you the problem with this theology, or just this understanding of God, is that when challenges come, when you have suffering and pressure and sickness, when things don't go like you think, we end up confused we end up saying did I really hear God we start accusing others we start accusing God sadly it's because of disappointment and pain that a lot of people even stop walking with God you see it's it's essential for us, and, and the, the thought that I want to talk about tonight, it's essential for us to understand that there is an aspect of God's favor that only comes through distress. It's through affliction. It's through pressure and pain. James 1, 2, 3, 4. If you have your bulletin, by the way, Anybody have a bulletin? You can raise it up in the air. In your bulletin, you have notes, sermon notes, that you can actually jot some of these thoughts and down. 
James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And let me just encourage you. When you see a passage of scripture that you like, that God's speaking to you through, look it up online in a different version. Like, uh, unpack the meaning of that. And, and I just want to look at the amplified version, which, which brings out a lot of the meaning of the, the original text. And it says, verse 3, be assured that the testing of your faith through experience, look at this, produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. How many here tonight would like to have some spiritual maturity and inner peace? I mean, if you could go out on the street, go down on 3rd Avenue and take a poll of, do you want inner peace in your life? I believe a hundred out of a hundred are going to say, I am desperate for inner peace. If there is one thing people are calling out for, it's inner peace. Let's look at verse four. It goes on. It says, and let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. I mean, perfect, completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. Like, this is who we want to be as people. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be easily shaken by circumstances. I don't want to bail on people when things get hard. I don't want to respond out of bitterness or pain or the past. I want to be a person of humility. I want to be a person of generosity. I want to put others before myself. I want to be patient. Like, what about you? Who, who is it that you know that God has called you to be? Or, or maybe what are the things that, that maybe if you're just honest with yourself, you're like, oh, there's some immaturity in my life. There's some places I, I don't have inner peace. Or, or there's some places that are, that are just kind of some petty things. And I know that God is wanting to grow me in that area. Because what we have to get today is that we can only get there. We can only get to that place of, of maturity and inner peace being fully developed through trials and through challenges. That's where true character is built. Actually, I brought with me a little prop. And uh, speaking of, of, of character and... Uh, Showing my Texan Texan roots here. So I'm, I'm originally from Texas, and I bought these boots whenever I was 19 years old. So you can guess how many years ago that was. 
21 years ago. And actually, what's, what's interesting is the reason I bought these boots is because when I was in college, it was like the thing to do, to buy a good pair of leather boots with a low heel. But here's the thing. You didn't just want to get the boots brand new. Like, the whole idea was you wanted to have a worn-in pair of boots. Like, you didn't want them to come out, like, all shiny and everything. No, they had to look, like, rugged, like you had done work in them, right? Like, so people had all these strategies for how they would take their brand-new expensive boots and make them look all worn in. Like, they would literally take these boots, and then they would get, like, wire brushes or rocks or, like, all these different things. I was at the store, and the guy said, hey, what a lot of guys do, this is, like, so Texas, okay? So I'm just going to warn you. It's, like, super Texas. Guys take these boots, and they tie them to the back of their pickup trucks, and they drag the boots on the ground so that after they drag around for a while, they look worn in and awesome. But he, what he is telling me, he said, don't do that. Because he said, I've had guys that come in and they have a hole in their brand new boots because they dragged them behind a pickup truck. Like, have you ever noticed, and surely you have, that we are drawn to distressed things? Like things that aren't brand new, but things that are worn in, that have character, that are vintage, right? You see it in clothes, you see it in trucks, you see it in, in like there's this whole uh, movement. I don't know, I don't know if you can call it a movement, but uh, that's actually where like a whole like the magnolia and all that came out of like this shabby chic. Have you ever heard of shabby chic? Like, basically, it's like an oxymoron of, like, cool junk, right? Like, shabby literally, like, means uh, something run down. And chic means cool. Like, there's, we all know, there's a fine line between vintage and junk, right? Let's be honest. Uh, People start using old pieces of wood, old tables, shiplap walls, or they actually take a new piece of furniture, and they make it look old, Like, or or you notice it with clothes. Before you had to, like, live with a pair of jeans for, like, 10, 15 years before they had, like, the worn-in, tore-up look. But now, you can go to the store, and you can buy brand-new jeans that are all ripped up. I mean, it's crazy because some people are wearing brand new jeans, but they walk out the door and it looks like they just, they, they came out of a fight, right? You see, I, I think I've been thinking about this, especially now that my teenage daughter, like, has holes in her jeans, in her brand new jeans. And I'm like, I, I think the reason we are so drawn to things with character, the, 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 with things that are worn in and distressed is because there's, Something deep down 
inside of us that knows that we were made to endure. We were created to persevere. And I think that's why we're drawn to things that have endured the battle. Let me tell you tonight, you were made to go through the trials and the pressures and the pain of life, and you were made to have victory. Hebrews 11 talks about, Hebrews 11 is in the, in the New Testament, it talks about what we often consider the heroes of the faith. Like, like if, if there's any, any people that were favored by God that, that left a legacy for the future generations, it was these people in Hebrews 11. And I'm just going to read the last several verses of this chapter 11, starting in verse 32. And it says, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised. Like, this is, this is awesome, right? Like, conquering kingdoms, administering. No, just go back to the other one. Conquering kingdoms, administering justice, gaining what was promised. It's like, like yes, please. Sign me up. Like, woohoo! Here I am, Lord. Send me. And then what I like is like the Bible's like, okay, then I'm going to show you, uh, I'm going to show you how they got there. Who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You know, we, we all love and we, we all want the promise of God. I, I, I need the promise. I need the promises of God in my life. Here, it's, it's conquering justice. Maybe for you, it's the restoration of your family. Or, or the leaving behind your past. Or maybe it's having a child, seeing a dream fulfilled. But how many of you know that the promise often comes with a price? Perhaps it's our comfort. Like, like sometimes in order to, to see that restoration of that relationship, you, you have to have a really difficult conversation. Or perhaps 
You have to, to, to revisit the pain of the past. You have to forgive someone that you had no plans of ever forgiving. Or, or literally thinking about dreaming of having a child, but to see that promise fulfilled, like you have to go like literally through the pain and the uncomfortability of, of carrying and birthing that child, of not sleeping for that child. You see, it's, it's in those moments of pressure and distress on the journey to the promise that our character is formed. You know, you, you can't fake character. There's no shortcuts to character. Like, like you can buy jeans that are cut up or you can drag your boots on the ground. And, but, but, but there's only one way to godly character. And it's through distress. Because when the pressure of, of, of life starts stacking up around you, when, that's when it all starts getting really real, Right? And let's just be honest, like, we all want to have the, the Hebrews 11 story. Like, we all want to have the stories of how God came through for me in this impossible situation. Let me tell you about the miracle God did in my life. But, but let's be honest, we don't want to have to be in a situation where we need a miracle. Like, like we all, we all want to sell the book. Of, of how God came. But we don't want to have to write the stories that go in the book, right? Character is formed in the crucible of distress. And, and actually, I, I ordered on Amazon a crucible to be here tonight, but it got delayed. So, you know, problems, right? No, but, but you know, it's crucible. A, a crucible is just like this little dish, but it's what a blacksmith would use, and they would put the metal in the crucible, and they would heat up the crucible. And the crucible would heat up so much that the, it would melt the metal, and then they would pour the metal into the shape of the object that they're wanting to make. Like, like for you and me to be the people that God has called us to be, where, to see the promises of God fulfilled in our lives, we have to go into that fire we have to go into that crucible to be exposed to the heat and the fire and to have our old self and our old habits and, and the other things melted away. And, and unfortunately, a lot of times it comes through trials and challenges. And let me just hear, I, let's say, I don't believe God's desire is ever to hurt us. God does not want to hurt you. But he, he allows pain in our lives to form us. And the person he's calling us to be. We have to get a vision. Like, like we need to have a vision, a theology of pain and distress. Because as we do, if we can really get this, we realize that favor and reward are just around the corner. James 1.12 says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life 
that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Or it says, blessed, happy, spiritually prosperous, favored by God is the man who is steadfast under trial and perseveres when tempted. For when he has passed the test and has been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, I was uh, listening to the radio this past week um, before one of the Padres games, and and one of the players was talking about one of those moments uh, that when, it, when it looked like they were losing, and it looked like all was lost, and, and it looked like they weren't going to come back. And, but this is what the player said. He said it several times, and I took note of it. He said, but you know what? The pressure is a privilege. The pressure is a privilege. Let me say, there is no one that needs to get this more than the follower of Jesus. Because as you seek Jesus, you will experience pain and pressures and challenges. I mean, like Jesus actually said, in this world, you will have troubles. But it doesn't end there because he says, John 16, 33, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome. And as we walk in fellowship with him, he gives us power in every situation and in every circumstance to overcome. And not only that, but he gives you a crown of life. He gives you a crown of victory. He gives his reward, his favor, his blessing. So I want to turn the corner by speaking to, to those of you who are experiencing pressure right now. Maybe you're on that road that looks like distress and pain. Maybe you feel like those boots right now. And the first thing I want to tell you tonight is to be aware. Be Aware of the spiritual battle. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I, I probably don't have to tell you that there is a battle that we are in. Actually, I want to share more about this next week. But if I could just put it in a few words for tonight. The devil wants to take you out. The devil wants to knock you out. Like what he does is he wants to take the pain or the challenge or the distress. And he wants to, he wants to use those things. He's always twisting and, and perverting things. And he wants to cause us to isolate ourselves. To contaminate our minds, to tempt us into sin, to, to, to medicate our, our, our souls whenever th th from the pain. Like, have you ever noticed that when you are in a challenging situation, like that you always have a choice? Maybe you, could, maybe you felt it. Maybe you can feel it. Like, this is the big challenges, but it's also just the day-to-day -day stuff, right? Uh, I'll never forget something I heard years ago, and it was the word... Halt. Say it with me. Halt. 
H-A-L-T. That when you are hungry, when you are angry, when you are lonely, when you are tired, when you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, when you're tired, halt, stop, stop. Because you are most susceptible to sin or to destructive choices. Like, I've realized as I've gotten this, like, like I, when, when I'm hungry, like, I get, I get frustrated. Like, I have, like, the hangry, like, I'm, like, the hang, like, the first two, right? Like, if I, I'm in a bad spot, my wife's always, like, you need to, like, eat a sandwich right now, right? Like, that's the first step. Like, or, or, or I don't know about, about you, I, I, or when I'm angry, I, I tend to isolate. I tend to get real quiet or, like, like what is it for you? Maybe when you're lonely, you, you end up doing stupid stuff or looking at stupid stuff on your phone. Or maybe when you're tired, you're tempted towards lust. Or, or maybe you're just like, like, Pastor, I, 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 you don't know the stuff that I deal with. Like, I am in addiction or I feel like I am just totally trapped in this thing. Or I, I like, 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 there's something in my life that just kind of like owns me. And I just say, I, I felt that way. As I went into college, I felt like, like, I think there are some areas of my life I will never be free. But can I just encourage you today from a passage of Scripture that I memorized, that I got deep in my heart, and that set me free? It's in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And it says this. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except for what is common to man. Basically, there are no sin struggles in your life that someone else hasn't faced. There's no, like, specialty things that you're dealing with that no one's ever dealt with. But it says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. No matter what the temptation is, it goes on right here. But when you are tempted, what does it say? He will also provide a way out. So that you can endure it. No matter what the temptation is, there's always a way out. So number one, we want to be aware. Number two, we realize that perseverance and testing bring greater authority. James 1 Again, four says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be immature and complete, not lacking anything. See, it works kind of like this. As you persevere in the tests, as you persevere in the challenges, you start operating in greater spiritual strength. Actually, it says something about Jesus when he went to the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. It says in, in Luke 4, chapter 1, that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And then after he came out victorious from the testing, it says this in, in 4, 14. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee, what? In the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. After the perseverance, after the testing, a few verses later in verse 32, 
It says, they were amazed at his teaching because his words had, his words had authority. Just a few verses later, it says, all the people were amazed and said to each other, what words are these? With authority and power. Do you think it's any coincidence that Jesus went through 40 days of the most challenging testing and trials and temptations and he passed the test and everyone around him says look at the authority on this man's life you seeing it it was after the testing and the trial and the hunger and the affliction that people took notice of the authority you see authority comes through perseverance and the only way perseverance is developed in us is through testing and distress. The only way that a tree's roots are, are strong and developed is through the resistance of the wind. I want to be a man of authority. Have you ever noticed that someone can say the simplest thing, but when it's with authority, like you feel it? Like someone could just say, Jesus loves you. And, 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 but if they have authority on their lives, it'll, like, make you cry. Or, or the, the opposite's also true, right? Sometimes you, you can say the coolest, or, or you see people see the, say the most coolest, most well-crafted, Christian, catchy phrase. And, and it, it may sound cool, but it feels totally empty. You're kind of like, hey, like, you're trying too hard, or, like, calm down a little bit, okay? Like, I don't even know what's... We're called to be people of authority. That when we pray, people feel it. When, when, when we worship, it's not just words. It's the song of someone who has experienced freedom and redemption. When we speak, people don't just, just hear our words, but they feel something in the spirit. And let me just tell you, there's no easy way to authority. You can't just go to the store and buy spiritual authority like we do our vintage furniture. No, it comes through the getting knocked down and getting back up. It comes through not quitting when you're discouraged. It comes as, as you worship when you don't feel like it. And as you persevere, you look, around, you look around and you realize that you've grown. You realize, oh, I'm not the same person that I was a year ago. Like, like, yeah, you might have some scars, but, but you're still standing. And I'm going to end here because here's the beautiful part. As you persevere, you are able to give strength to others in their pain. You see, for, for too long, Christ followers, Christians have said, well, don't do what I did. Like, I, I feel like especially I used to hear that all the time in dating. Right? It was like, well, well, don't do what we did, but like do something better than that, right? You know, and but you know what young people need? They need people that can say, We dated in a righteous and pure way, and you can too. Our world is looking for people that can say, I have walked with God, I lived righteously, I turned it my life around. It wasn't always pretty, but I'm still standing. And so can you. Your perseverance, 
in the midst of pain and distress is about more than just you. It's actually even bigger than just the reward that God gives you, even though that's amazing. Like, it's so that you have something to give your kids, parents. Like, more than money or more than some, some like, nice house or car or whatever. They need spiritual and, and, and emotional strength. It's, it's so you can meet someone else in their pain to give them strength, to have the strength to give them a hug or a word of encouragement. The purpose in the pain and in the distress is so much bigger than just what God is doing in you, even though that's a huge deal. Not only do you get blessed, but you make a way for others to persevere and to draw strength and ultimately to be aligned for the favor of God.